Novel Magics by Michael K. Austis Chapter 2 The Pavlov Machine Casey awoke, cold and stiff, as if he had run a marathon and then slept on a granite slab. Instinctively, he tried to stretch, but couldn't. His body wouldn't move. Panic, sharp and acidic, rose from his stomach to his chest. Had the fall paralyzed him? Stop trying to move, please, came a woman's voice, crisp and clear as if someone was standing directly over him. Casey tried to find the voice's source, but only saw lines of white fluorescent lights built into a blank ceiling. Where am I? His voice was a cracked whisper. The voice didn't answer. Casey tried to move again. The sensation was something like reaching into a tight space for something he could see, but was just out of his reach. He strained, focusing on his arms, then his hands, his fingers. Just one finger twitch was all he needed to put his mind at ease. That's when the pain hit. A shiver thrummed through Casey, racking his entire body. As he shuddered, some small, hopeful part of his mind celebrated the fact that his body was moving, even if not under his direct control. The shaking of his body made him nauseous. Bile rushed up his throat, filling his mouth and immediately making it impossible to breathe. Casey's shaking grew worse as his body instinctively fought to turn to either side just enough to dump the suffocating vomit out of his mouth and throat. I warned you, the voice spoke again. A tube slinkied down from the ceiling towards Casey's face. Its opening was oblong, curved slightly at the end, and was just large enough to cover his mouth and nose. Just try to relax, the voice continued. I really can't afford to have you die on me. Moving air tugged at his lips as the tube vacuumed vomit out of his mouth and throat. As soon as the last few chunks were removed from Casey's esophagus, the tube silently retracted back into the ceiling. Casey inhaled deeply, coughing so hard his stomach lurched, threatening to start the whole process all over again. After a few minutes, Casey blinked tears out of his eyes and tried speaking again. Where am I? Silence. Who are you? More silence. Why? Why can't I move? The faint buzzing of bright fluorescent lights was the only response. He ground his teeth as a frustration born of fear and helplessness began to well up inside of him. After a few moments, he couldn't tell how long, Casey began to shiver. It wasn't exactly cold in the room or cell or wherever this place was but whatever he was lying on felt frigid, as though it was sucking the heat from his body. What he was lying on felt smooth, his skin not sticking to it at all. He had the sudden distinct feeling of being a chicken, plucked and dressed, lying on a greased baking sheet. I'm going to start asking you questions, the voice said. Please try to answer as accurately and directly as possible. Tell me why I'm here. Casey asked, louder this time, ignoring the voice, wincing at how painfully dry his throat felt. The voice answered, What's your name? Why? Who are you? Casey asked, nearly growling through his clenched teeth. 
His eyes were darting around his field of vision, trying to find something to focus on that wasn't the monotonous lights above him. Your name, please. Fuck you. Another jolt filled his body, his arms, legs, and back involuntarily arching into contorted angles. His jaw clamped down, teeth grinding together so hard his gums started to ache. You cannot see them, the voice said, but there are several wires going through your skull. With them, I can make you feel anything I like. That was 30,000 volts applied directly to your nervous system. The hell kind of a place is this, Casey said, or rather, tried to say, but all that came out was a series of jittering burbles. To prove that I'm not cruel, I'm willing to give you pleasure as well as pain, the voice continued, ignoring Casey's stunned gurgling. A feeling of warmth blossomed all over his body, as though Casey was sitting fully immersed in the world's most perfect hot tub. The comfort only lasted a moment, the sensation much shorter than the jolt had been, but it was long enough to completely relax his body. Now you see, the voice continued, the carrot and the stick. You will get one or the other, depending on your answers. Casey licked his lips, shuddering. It wasn't just the fact that his head was hooked up to a machine, or that the operation of that machine was in the hands of a disembodied voice. It was the voice itself that put his teeth on edge and made Casey want to tear out of his own skin. There was no particular quality about the voice that struck him, but that was just it. There were no real qualities to it. Oh, there was tone and inflection, and the phonetic sounds of each word were loud and clear and precise, but something in his mind screamed at him. It screamed the same way it might upon seeing a wax figurine in a dark room. That voice was right in the Marianas Trench of the Uncanny Valley. It spoke again. What is your name? Casey took a deep, shuddering breath. Casey Lewis, he said. A sensation of relief, like taking off a wet, clinging shirt, spread its way across his body goosebumps erupting all over his skin. He enjoyed it, and hated himself for it. Good boy, the voice said. And do you remember your occupation? Can you not Pavlov's dogs me? Casey asked, his tone dry. Not a good answer, the voice said as another jolt shot through Casey. This one was white hot and itchy, like insects biting underneath his skin. Try again. What is your occupation? Casey blinked the tears from his eyes. What's wrong with you? The breath was suddenly driven from his body, his lungs contracting against his will. There was no relief when he sucked in more air. Although his lungs were filling, fully expanding, it was as though there was no oxygen. He was drowning, gulping like a fish pulled out of the water. Five minutes later, Casey was sweating, and taking deep lungfuls of air, almost sobbing with relief as the darkness around his vision began to fade. Are you feeling more cooperative? The voice asked. Casey flinched at the sound, then braced himself for a new jolt, a new hellish experience, but it didn't come. I'll take that as a yes, the voice said, 
sounding satisfied in a way that made Casey want to scream. A new sensation, something like a small orgasm, rushed through his body as the voice said this. He knew logically that it was just dopamine being allowed to flood his brain, but it felt good anyway. What is your occupation? The voice asked again. I'm the curator at the Athenaeum, he said, feeling a snarl touch his lips. He was answering because he was afraid of the voice, afraid of its punishments and, as far as he could tell, in love with the rewards. He loathed himself for it. Do you know a woman named Sarah? The voice asked. The lady with the knife in her leg? Casey asked. Yeah, sort of. She crashed into the Athenaeum. A space in the ceiling opened, and a new thing descended, something white. It looked like a larger version of one of those arcade claw machines. The claw stopped right in front of his face, its jaws slightly open. There was a queasy moment where Casey imagined the machine grabbing the front of his face and just pulling, but it passed as he saw that it already held something. Balanced perfectly between the three tips of the claw was Sarah's tome, opened to the same page Casey had read back in the Athenaeum. He wasn't sure how he knew it was the same page, but he could tell the same way he could read emotion in a person's face. Do you recognize this? The voice asked. Casey meant to lie. He intended to say that he had no idea what that damned thing was. Yes, his mouth said, moving of its own accord. The feeling of being full after a big meal filled him. He shuddered with disgust and pleasure. Could you read one of these disruptions for me? Casey stared at the tome. Its lines of disruptions sprawled across the page in a series of large, looping letters. Symbols that had been so clear in the Athenaeum, in that moment of pain and terror, were now like looking through misted glass. No, I... I can't, Casey said, real disappointment in his voice. If he had been able to read them, they might have once again provided him a means of escape. The voice fell silent for a time the tome still hanging directly over him. He looked over the page, desperately trying to make sense of it the way he had before, but it made no difference. He may as well have been looking at random squiggles. When you read it previously, the voice said, you were in danger? Yes. And pain? Yes. Casey felt a pit in the middle of his stomach. He thought he could see where this was going. Without warning, heat, as though from an open oven, erupted around his feet. They immediately began to sweat. Hey, Casey said, hey, you, you don't gotta do this. The heat grew more intense while spreading up to his knees. Casey began screaming uncontrollably, again trying to move. He couldn't see them, but he was sure his legs were on fire. How could it get so hot if they weren't on fire? The smell of smoke and cooked meat filled the room as the unseen flames hungrily consumed his lower body. If you want to save yourself, read the tome, the voice said. Otherwise, I'll keep cranking up the heat until you are dead. Casey looked at the tome, eyes and mouth screwed up with pain. Panic started to take over again as the heat reached farther up his body, taking over his crotch and stomach. He could feel the flames licking at his chest and neck. 
the smell of smoke and meat grew more intense. The lines of text suddenly changed. A sensation like the setting of a bone snapped through his skull, and each disruption stared back at him, their meanings revealed. It wasn't magic. The words were not suddenly in English. It was as though the meaning came into focus, like a magic eye picture. Same as before, Casey read the first disruption he saw out loud. The sound of pebbles falling down a cliff escaped his mouth, inhuman and otherwise impossible for a human throat to make. The thing he was lying on started to shift to the left, finally toppling sideways and spilling Casey onto the floor. As he fell, he felt a tug on his head as though someone had pulled his hair before smacking into a nearby wall. The heat, pain, and smell of burning instantly disappeared and were replaced by a warm, wet sensation dripping down the sides of his head and face. Without thinking, Casey raised his hand to wipe away the feeling. His hand came back red with blood. He stood, leaving bloody handprints on the wall as he braced himself against it. It took Casey a minute to realize that he was in fact moving. He was standing. A feeling of elation, of utter freedom filled him from head to toes. It was like waking up from sleep paralysis, or a nightmare. Then he noticed what was in front of him. The claw still dangled, still held the tome in the center of the room. Directly under it was where Casey had been trapped. What had been a long metal surgical table now lay on its side, its legs crumbled to many smaller pieces of steel that had scattered themselves across the room. Under the table was a machine that looked like a cross between a gas-powered generator and an old computer. Frost was forming on its exterior. Long wires, so thin they were nearly invisible, extended from one end of the machine. They were all twisted, but somehow all pointed towards him, their last six inches or so coated in bright red blood. Casey reached up to touch his head, and found all of his hair missing. Rather than the loose curls of a half-attempted afro, he felt skin and quickly drying blood. Rage filled him. He would find the owner of the voice, and he would get some payback. For his whole life, Casey had been an academic. He wasn't the biggest fan of any physical activity, and true violence had never before crossed his mind but there was something about being pavlobbed into obedience that made his blood boil. Casey looked around the room. There were no windows or doors he could see, no way for him to escape, but then his eyes fell on the claw and the tome. He leapt at the claw, grabbing it tightly in case it tried to retract into the ceiling. He unceremoniously ripped the tome from its grip, holding it like a live grenade. He scanned the page, and found to his surprise that he could still read the disruptions. For the first time, Casey had a moment to consider the impossibility of it. The tome had already paired itself with Sarah. It should not care if he was in pain or danger. Tomes, by their nature, were nonsense to anyone but their reader. No exceptions. Casey decided to worry about this later. For now, escape. Find the owner of the voice, punch them in the nose. Despite not having a name, Sarah's tome was obviously in the kinetic genre, so if they wouldn't give him a door, he would make his own. Casey scanned the pages, this time intentionally searching for one he thought would serve his needs. 
He found one that should make a hole about the right size for him to walk through. Widening his stance, Casey braced himself and faced the wall he intended to break. Just as Casey began to pronounce the first syllable, he heard the sound of grating stone behind him. He whirled around, preparing to dive to one side or the other, but what he saw made him stop in mid-motion. A man stood in the door. He looked old, at least in his 70s or 80s, but he stood with his back straight. He wore a well-tailored dark blue suit, his open jacket revealing a black shirt that glinted with silver buttons. They vaguely reminded Casey of stars. The old man's sharp black eyes bore into him from under a shock of silver white hair and eyebrows. A toothy grin was spread across the man's face, giving him the hungry look of a tiger who had just cornered a deer. You did better than we expected, the old man said, excitement in his voice as he stepped towards Casey. His stride was that of a young man, with no hint of the caution or frailty usually seen in people his age. Casey balled his fist, and with a loud crack punched the old man square in the nose. Pain filled Casey's hand, each knuckle feeling bruised from the impact. The old man fell backwards, his butt landing on the tangle of bloody wires. As Casey stepped past the old man, he fought every instinct telling him to check and see if the guy was alright. The man's voice wasn't the one he had heard earlier, however, and Casey had a score to settle. Casey moved towards the door, as if in a dream, and stepped into the well-lit hallway. White laminated floors and cheerful robin's egg blue walls ran off in either direction. He didn't see any turns, signs, people, or other doors. Casey heaved a sigh, unsure where to go. I like how you think, the old man said from behind him, his voice sounding stuffy from the broken nose. I think Sarah made the right choice, despite herself. A wave of guilt washed over Casey. He hadn't thought of helping Sarah or Greg, only of getting back at that damned voice in the ceiling. If they were here, in this horrible place, he had to get them out. Casey turned, planning to bully the old man into giving him answers. That plan evaporated. The old man had stood up. There was a gun in his hands, and it was aimed right at Casey's chest. Casey didn't know much about guns, but the old man's stance and the way he held it communicated confidence and proficiency. A gleam of triumph filled the old man's eyes as he spoke. You can hold on to that toe, Mr. Lewis, the old man said, but we're gonna have a talk before anyone else gets hurt. The old man gestured for Casey to move into the hall, so he did. The gun trained on him the whole time. Casey briefly considered charging the man or just bolting, but common sense prevailed. Where are you taking me? Casey asked, his throat tight. We're going to my office to get some privacy. Now don't try anything clever or cute. Just follow my directions and turn where I tell you to turn. Do this, and I promise not to shoot you. Deal? Casey, unable to find his voice, merely nodded. Great, let's hang a left the old man said. Casey followed the nameless old man's directions, certain that he would get shot at any moment, walking dismally through a twisting maze of robin's egg blue hallways. Hey, this is Michael. 
author of Novel Magics. Thank you for listening to my podcast. This is my first one, and for now it's a one-man show, so it's not going to be perfect. If you are enjoying my story so far, and would like to help the podcast grow, please consider donating to my Ko-fi account. Ko-fi, spelled K-O-F-I, is a donation service that does not require a monthly subscription. This makes things easier for both you and me. Every dollar goes directly back into the podcast, allowing me to pay for better music, recording equipment, and graphics. With enough support, it will mean longer, more frequent, and better produced episodes. You can donate at Kofi slash Novel Magics, or go to the support page on my website, novelmagicspodcast.com. If you can't donate anything, no stress. Just share my podcast with someone who you think would like it, and we'll call it even. I will be releasing new episodes on the third Sunday of every month. For now, thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Stay safe out there. Novel Magics is an original story, written, recorded, and produced by Michael Ostis.